audio check. Hello. Hey, Tony, how's it going? Hey, how's married life? Yeah, it's, it's, going, <laughs> it's going well, man. It's going well. <laughs> Hey everyone, another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I have a great guest on here with me, and, and he's, a, he's a second timer on the show, um, but I'm excited to have him back. We're going to talk about uh, the project he's been working on and uh, learn about pharma- like the future of pharmacy, who's impacting pharmacy now, and without further ado, Dr. Tony Garrett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Richard. So before we before we jump into to uh, to what we really want to talk about today, just for those that don't know don't know who you are, for the, like the ten or twelve listeners that maybe have never heard of you, can you please <laughs> just give us a little bit of background um, about who you are? Sure, uh, I'm a pharmacist. I teach college chemistry and pharmacology is my full time job. So I don't need a pharmacy license to do what I do. I just need the degree. Uh, and uh, just for those of you that don't know, you can teach at a community college if you've got 18 graduate credits in chemistry or biology or pharmacology or whatever it is. Uh, what's most relevant, I think, about my career now is that uh, I moved from Iowa to Baltimore, or I moved from from Baltimore to Iowa um, during the crash, like the market crash of 2009. And uh, I had a successful real estate practice uh, that was making a little over a quarter of a million dollars. And um, you know, I was doing great, but my wife wanted to do uh, residency, and so she didn't get residency in Maryland, Baltimore, so we could stay there, and we went into the scramble. Uh, both got residencies together, and uh, I didn't end up finishing the residency, so I found myself in the exact same spot a number of people are at now, which is uh, I'm in a place that I don't really know that well, and uh, I didn't have a job, and so that's what I kind of want to talk about. And what really inspired me from a year show was actually one that you did a while back, which was with Dominic Curry, uh, which was about, he had some opportunities outside of his area and he said, no, no, I want to work with the people I'm with and I want to make my job here. And that's really what a unicorn job is. It's not settling. It's saying I have a specific thing that I want and I'm going to keep working at it and I'm going to stay where I am because I'm, I'm happy or I want to be with my family and I want to be with my friends. So it's all about getting that unicorn job, just like Dominic did. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I recently spoke with someone that was asking for advice as to where to move uh, to get closer to kind of the tech space and innovation and and like all this stuff around pharmacy. And I'm like, you know, that might not be the best idea because if you move to there, you're you're moving towards where there's competition, where there's a lot of um, saturation and, you know, why not just stay kind of close to where you're at and trying to create something, you know? So it's definitely, it's, it's a good point you bring up there, but, um, but before we go into the, into the current project, give us also a little bit of background. So you also have your own podcast and this isn't your first rodeo in, um, writing a book. So, um, give us some history too on your digital media production. Oh, okay. Uh, so I started with Todd Yuri about three years ago on pharmacy podcast network and, uh, he, I was interviewed for, uh, because my, my job isn't in retail and, and Aaron L. Albert was doing uh, five roads out of retail. So I was one of those episodes. And then he contacted me and said, Hey, you know, you should 
do a show, the Pharmacy Future Leaders, uh, which is actually now based in Nova Southeastern, which is pretty close to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, okay. And I just kind of kept interviewing people. And uh, then my production got so high that I now am part of the network, but I'm, I'm not in his you know show lineup uh, because I do... Last year I did 200 shows and I'm at like 215 or something like that. So ridiculous number of shows uh, that I do. And it just, it would have overwhelmed uh, kind of the, the episode. So that's on the podcasting side, but what, what I think your audience really wants to know is how do I write a book and make enough money so I don't have to work as a pharmacist or don't have to work. (laughs) (laughs) And really it was like doing what you did, which is combining two things. Um, One, you, uh, find something that you're passionate about. And uh, you were passionate about pharmacists just getting out because you had gotten out, I think, 2014, 2015. Is yeah, that right? 2014. There? Yeah. So if you wrote First Time Pharmacist, and then it just kind of took off where it's like, did someone really never write a book for First Time Pharmacists? And the answer was yes. No one ever freaking wrote the book. You know, and, and here you have, you know, PCP, which was the first college of pharmacy like 150 or 200 years ago, whatever it is. And here you are, you know, writing that kind of book. And I don't think you did the audio book yet. That's certainly an opportunity. But uh, that's kind of the key is to write three types of the book. So you write a print book for a specific audience, a digital book for a specific audience, and then an audio book. And uh, those three together can uh, – you can make a living off that uh, pretty well, actually. So uh, this will be my 15th book, um, whether I've published or, or authored and got some other projects this summer. But that seems to me my gig is uh, making audio books and, and trying to make a living at it. Yeah, I, I really wanted to do an audiobook and I still want to and have plans to, but oh man, it's it's tough. Like because I think around the time that I was planning to start doing the audiobook, I got into like a new role and then things just got crazy. And, and I wanna if I do an audiobook, I, I really want it to be my own voice. And uh it's just I, I just gotta find the time. But that I mean I'm just coming up with excuses really. I, I need to stop slacking and just do it. But. And it should be. A nonfiction <laughs> book should be your own voice, but with three kids, full time job ridiculous number of podcast episodes. I choose to use Mike Lenz, uh, who's up in uh, upstate New York, and uh, he's a pharmacist. And I've got a lot of pharmacotherapy, pharmacology stuff. So uh, he does a great job, and I just suck it up and, and yeah. pay the pay the money. But, but no, if you do a nonfiction book, you absolutely, especially if you have your own like I only have books. I don't have other things like you do. So if you have a business, you absolutely want it to be your voice if it's nonfiction. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, great. All right. So enough about enough about the past. Let's talk about the current and the future. So, um, what what's what's tell us the title of the project. Um, give us a, a quick synopsis of it. Sure. Well, let's actually talk about who my tribe is. So my people that follow me are generally pharmacy students or or new pharmacy graduates. And I know this because I put your Mercer College of Pharmacy presentation on my YouTube, and it just broke 1,900 views. Oh, geez. I did not so, know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> Appreciate that. So so you reach everybody through SoundCloud. You know, you've got about the same number of downloads or 2,000 or whatever it is. And then I put it on YouTube, and it does the same thing. So, uh, you know, we've kind of got this kind of uh, – that that's who I'm talking to. And I just learned about this – this expression unicorn job. I didn't know what it was. Uh, when I went to APHA in Seattle last month and somebody was like, yeah, I got a unicorn job and we're just sitting at lunch. I'm like, 
what's that, a job that doesn't exist? I was like, I know you're employed. <laughs> what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, I've got an ambulatory care position that I got without doing an ambulatory care residency. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. That's a unicorn job. And I thought these things were like, all right, well, you know, you got one, but nobody else has one. And then I listened to RX Radio, and sure enough, there's Dominic Curry, burn pharmacist, unicorn yeah. job. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, I've got exactly the job I want. And then I realized the mistake I had made was expect thinking that a unicorn job was first, not doesn't exist. And second, that it was, there are a few of them, but it's the other way around. It's just that it fits you perfectly. So when you look at someone else's job, you're like, Oh, I would never want that. And so you don't really establish it as something that exists. So for me, the unicorn job was being in front of students and getting to teach at the same time I get to write these books. And, um, you know, I've got three kids that are going to be hitting college in the same year. So I need to save up about 1.4 million if they go to private school or 750,000, if they're going to go to public, uh, just to pay for their undergrad. And so I, I really need to have double pharmacist salary, but yeah. right now there's no one that would pay me that. So I have to pay myself. <laughs> and, and that's because you have triplets. Like it's not because they're like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. So, um, you, you mentioned, um, kind of, uh, meeting people and, and, or, or you, you mentioned having those jobs in there. So how many people did you, uh, how many pharmacists are in there? How many jobs did you kind of, kind of gather together? So I, the, the book is kind of five different pieces. I kind of explain what the unicorn job is in the first place. Uh, then I talk about the three big spaces that people are in and you can be in more than one. Uh, I'm in the clinical space. Well, freshman and sophomore undergrads, pharmacology, chemistry, that kind of thing. Uh, but like TLDR, pharmacy, core consult, um, those guys are in the deep clinical space in terms of what they do. Um, I would put you in the business career space, which is the second one, uh, where you are either helping other businesses or helping businesses do things nationally, like with VUCA Health. And then uh, you help people with their careers. You're kind of saying, hey, you know, this person has a, is a pediatric pharmacist. Let's hear their story. This person's a veterinary pharmacist. Let's hear their story. And so a lot of your content goes to business and career. And then the smallest space, which I think has the most opportunity, is the financial space where there just aren't a lot of pharmacists that can help you with real estate or finances and things like that. And and that's where I made my money. I was I only sold 40 homes a year, but my, the homes I sold were 250, 300,000. And so I had a very small database that I took very, very, very good care of. Uh, but, you know, we brought in about a quarter of a million a year then, you know, when I was done with it and that was my group, there was me and a couple of other uh, real estate agents that worked with me. And, um, that was kind of it. So the the project itself is introducing you to 125 people. There aren't 125 individual stories, but it's just, you know, for the chapter two, it's like, okay, here are their websites. Here's you can meet. Then there's a chapter on their actual stories. Then there's some students that did these things. But my, my premise is that if you want to find a job that you really want, you've got to get to know more people. And I wanted to introduce you to 125 of the people that are out there that are just kind of killing it. And you're one of them. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, and I would say that you were accurate in placing me not in the clinical 
uh, category because that's definitely, I would be like, hey, uh, Tony, I think you got to move me out of that. I definitely don't fit there. <laughs> so um, great, great. So what's what's something that is kind of unique or interesting that you might not have expected in, in kind of going through that journey to, to create the project? Um, well, let's talk about what we just thought about, which was uh, about how people are asking, where do I move to to go get a pharmacy job? And I just put that on social yesterday, and and I I had an uh, you had talked to a supervisor on a way previous RX Radio episode, and kind of how things are different. And he per, um, PM'd me, you know, personal message me. He's like, hey, you know, if you know people that are good, let me know. I might be able to help them out. Uh, but right now, it's non-metro areas, so outside of the metro. Um, and what? I want to say that's, you know, it was kind of unexpected. Um, gosh, I'm going down a really rabbit hole and I'll, I'll come back. I promise okay. I'll come back. <laughs> All right, but we're going to Netflix. Uh, I just watched a movie called the boy who harnessed the wind and it's Chiwetel Ejiofor. And the guy who, who was actually the boy is William Kamkwamba. And they were having a famine in his village and they had a choice to go to the next village and if they went there and there was no food and no work, they could die. So their choice was go to that village or make this windmill work, get electricity to their village, grow the crops in their own village. And, you know, the metaphor is basically that you have this choice. Are you going to make a job in your own place or are you going to keep trying to searching and hoping that there's jobs out there? And so what the book tells you is that if you are looking for a job, you actually shouldn't look. You should stay where you are or you should go to where you want to be and then worry about the job second uh, instead of going the other way, which is, well, where's the job? And I guess I'll move there if I have to. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the first surprise that kind of came out of it. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I, I think I know exactly who you might have been talking about. That was that was a, a good episode. I think he was, uh, which I don't I don't know if he's even in that in that role anymore. I think he went into managed care, um, which is cool because he was with the company for a long time, and then you know got a lot of experience and and uh, just you know wanted to continue to grow his career and, and went into something else. So I, I think I might have to do another episode with him coming up soon to see kind of where he's at now um, versus where he was before. Cause I think it's kind of completely different, uh, different feels. So yeah, things are so different when you're a pharmacy supervisor. He's like, I can't go into 25 stores and be the extra tech. You know, what do you do? How do you lead people like that? And that was kind of a cool, cool episode. Yeah. You know, this is something uh, random. So I recently saw something that the new wave of the job market is people are not staying at jobs for a very long time. Like it's just, it's just a common kind of theming. Is that something that you think is going on as well in pharmacy where it, it, you think that people seem like they're kind of switching jobs all the time? Well, there's actually, you had talked about this, I want to say almost a year back and it was something about, there was a group of pharmacists that lost their jobs all at once. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was you. It came from you, and maybe it was in Florida. There was some group of stores that downsized or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I – And something just happened two days ago in Maryland, my home state, where Shoppers Food Warehouse, the stores – the grocery stores haven't closed, but 50 – no, 25 stores just sold their pharmacy inventory and uh, their prescriptions to CVS and Walgreens. So 50 pharmacists just lost their jobs over the next four to 28 days. 
And that just happened like two days ago. And it was a reverse. They got two weeks notice or four weeks notice like, hey, in two weeks, uh, the store's open, but the pharmacies are done. And I think that's what the book talks to is if you just graduated and you're one of the 3,000 people that didn't match, or if you just had that happen, then you want to look at the Unicorn Jobs book to say, okay, well, who do I talk to? Like, where do I even start? And there, obviously, if there's, you know, this many people getting introduced into the job market, looking where you are for a traditional role is just not going to work. And you got to start thinking outside the box. And, and what I'm also seeing in terms of jobs, this is maybe a little, I'll put on my turn signal for this, but the NNG jobs, I've just heard that acronym, no new grads. Uh, so there are jobs out there, but they're not for new grads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the like PGY2 and oncology and informa- informatics, those jobs are openings. Um, for the clinical jobs in Iowa City just opened up, but sorry, you have to have a PGY1 and uh, some kind of uh, hospital experience. Uh, high volume retail, you'll see a lot of the Walgreens postings. They need one year retail experience. But if you did a residency, that doesn't count. So if you did everything right, did a residency, I'm sorry, you can't be qualified because you haven't done retail before and you're not helpful there. Uh, And then pharmacy manager positions may need multiple years. So it's tough. And and what I wanted to do is just give, you know, three or four hours of, of hearing other people, connecting with other people and just saying, okay, well, before you jump to your next thing, why don't you think about staying where you are and changing what, you know, kind of changing perspective a little bit. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of requirements that some of these jobs have. I, I don't, I, I don't think there's an absolute there. I think it's, they definitely try to stick to that, but you never know, you know, what your unique situation can bring. And even though you see a certain requirement, it, I would still try to go for something. If again, if it's like, like Tony said, it's something that you want because you just never know if you could actually be that exception or that unicorn essentially to make it into a particular role just because you're a great fit for it. Um, but let's, so what's a sneak peek of like some of these unicorn jobs? Like what maybe give us like the top three or maybe your most like unicorn like job that you just had no idea like existed and you're like, wow, this is great. Um, it's more about who's getting them rather than what the jobs are, I guess. Uh, and you, you know, the guys, but I had no idea MedEd 101, Eric Christensen had never done a residency. He went right into a clinical position right after college hmm. uh, because he was just, he was just well-connected core consult. I didn't know that he hadn't done a residency uh, and he got BCPS uh, certified. Um, Uh, Nancy Alvarez, APHA past president, uh, is in there, and I didn't really know her story at all. But I think the story that really just kind of floored me was that Kate Gaynor, who is the CEO of uh, – her story is in there – of the Iowa Pharmacy Association. She was eight and a half months pregnant when she applied for the CEO position and had four kids under four in her first, like, four years at the position. So I guess – my big aha or my big uh, thing surprise was how big the challenge was that these people overcame and how happy they are now. And I guess I just, I don't know. It just sounds like everybody's like, Oh, I'm going to my retail job. Oh, I'm looking out the window through the drive through window at my BMW in the parking lot. Was it all worth it? And it's kind of the opposite. 
uh, I'm finding that these people worked really hard for a long time, uh, but they, they ended up finding their jobs. So mm -hmm. uh, those are kind of the surprises that, yeah, um, Pharmacy Joe, uh, he went from community to hospital without, uh, without any residency. Paul Tran in Washington State, same thing. Uh, you know. So I think what you're saying is right. Don't allow the barrier that's on paper to get in your way. Mm. Yeah. And is there a common trends that you might have seen kind of with the group that you were kind of evaluating to, you know, be a fit for this, um, for the book? Um, yeah, there, there actually was, it was, they failed miserably <laughs> in, in some way or another. Uh, I had to repeat almost my, I went to the university of Florida for two years for undergrad, but it was a really fun school in the, in the early nineties. And so I repeated most of my sophomore year. I got rejected from a, a, a traditional pharmacy uh, school uh, professorship, those types of things. But almost everyone in there has some story of where they failed miserably and then they succeeded amazingly. And so it's really more about being able to get through the failure, I think, uh, than anything else. Uh, didn't Core Consul, didn't he uh, take an extra year during pharmacy school because he tried to mix MMA and pharmacy school, something like that? That's um, you're, you're the only one with no failure. You Everything has gone great for you, well, but everyone else had a failure. Well, that's only because all my failures came early in life. So <laughs> uh, I've been doing well ever since those things, but uh, that happened all before uh, before pharmacy school. So that's that's in the past. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I started a bunch of companies. I started maybe four companies since before starting like RX Radio. So... Uh, it's just it's just things that like at the time I wasn't building a brand and I didn't have a huge following. So a lot of people don't know what they were. But I started doing a lot. I, I was always doing a lot of different things and starting things that just never pan out. But some do. And I think um, there's just no huge there's not there's no huge failure stories or anything like that. They just they just didn't work. And um, and I just but every time I just learn from it, um, develop new skills. Every time I start something new, I develop some crazy new skills that helps me in something else, whether it's like my main job or, or whatever the case may be. But, um, but yeah, you're right though. Cause even, even with that, like there's, again, there's always failures and it always leads to success at some point if you just keep um, fighting for what you want. But, yeah, it, it just, uh, it, it's kind of gone. Uh, the, the book is, is not, not going to be like, okay, well there's my job. It's right in there. It's more, here are the people you're going to meet. And those are the people that are either going to inspire you or they're going to be someone that you connect with because uh, a lot of them uh, are, you know, really open to, to talking with you and, and hearing from you. How do you manage your base? Because you've got, what, 2,000 people listening to you each, you know, each podcast episode. How do you handle your uh, fan club? <laughs> well, that, I mean, the thing with what I try to do is, um, you know, luckily it's not a live show, so I don't have to like respond as I'm, as I'm talking to people, but it is starting to be a lot in terms of um, people that are commenting and talking on on all the because I'm I'm active on every social media platform, so it does get difficult, but it it forces me to not have a lot of downtime. So um, I I always try to respond to messages and comments and stuff like that. It's getting very difficult on Instagram because and at some point too, like if you if you say something, I want to respond, but if you just tag someone, I might not just because it might not seem. Um, uh, I guess relevant, but it forces me to not have much downtime. So 
like as I'm walking to my car, like I'll try to respond to something really quickly or right when I park to go do run an errand or do something <laughs> like cool. right when I park, I'll jump on, do a couple of responses and then go about like my day. So it just forces like a lot of time, a lot of um, efficiencies during time that like I'm essentially not really doing much. I, I force that to communicate with people. Cool, cool. Yeah, so that's sorry. Cool. I tend to hijack podcast episodes. No, that's I fine. Up. I mean, that's, that's definitely <laughs> reversing fine. the reversing the interview. <laughs> yeah, no, but that that's that's pretty much it. And and it's crazy because like I I don't even have you know like a, a crate like you know some people would look at it and see that I have a lot of followers. But then if you look at like the next step up, people are managing you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of you know followers and. Like, I don't even know how those people do. Well, I guess they, they start hiring teams and stuff. But um, I, th- I always also kind of think to that and, and think to, like, you don't have a million followers. Like, suck it up, man. Like, you can, you can you know, you can handle stuff like this. So Champagne um, problems, yeah. man. Those are champagne problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But so what's on the uh, what's on the horizon for you? I mean, what do you have? What are you noticing maybe in pharmacy and then maybe on, on, on a personal level? Like, what what's up for you next? Um, I think I've ignored or, or not kind of because I'm, I'm not skilled enough to, to create an app, but I think in education, that's where, where things are. And, and I just started working with my APPE student on Xcode, which for those that don't know that Xcode is the, is the programming language that you would use to make your own app for like, uh, the iTunes or for like a iPhone or something like that. Yeah. For iOS devices. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be kind of the the next step is is trying to make an an app. I just kind of got inspired by uh, he's a professor up at uh, Rosalind Franklin, and he just created a top two fifty or top two hundred drugs app. And um, when you go in it, it's like you know you get in free, but then you know it's five bucks to open each thing, so you can end up paying fifty five bucks for you know the whole app. But but just kind of like getting outside of the the whole hourly thing. I think if, if I wanted to leave, you know, your listeners with one thing is that you want to make this transition before you get out of pharmacy school. And the transition is to get away from hourly to get towards just understanding how you can have a revenue stream that has nothing to do with hours, but has a lot more to do with how hard you work. So how hard your, how big your reach becomes. And, um, you know, you, you, have decided not to, you know, add, uh, advertisers and things like that. But I mean, obviously there's plenty of people that would love to see your reach, but I think that's the kind of thing that, that you really have to make the decision to figure out how do I get past this? Okay. Well, I just want to make $50 an hour so I can pay off my loans and, and do this instead say, well, how can I help a thousand people that I really care about? And how can I help them with that minimal, uh, what, Godin uses a word like the minimal viable audience or something like that, or, or your tribe. And I think if, if we can help students and get out of that mindset of, I need to make a certain amount of money per hour and get to how can I help people and then have a relationship where I make money based on the way that I help people uh, and how hard I work. I think that's a much better way to end up. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you brought up, Xcode and how you know you you're not skilled enough to uh, create an app. So first of all, neither am I. But I have a funny story about Xcode and why I even know about this. So cool. So I'm watching Shark Tank. This was maybe a year or two ago, I would say. Definitely, definitely two years ago. 
and I'm watching Shark Tank, and you know, uh, for those that don't know, it's like they pitch businesses and stuff like that. You should know what Shark Tank is by now. But anyway, so this business comes on, and they're a business that's doing coding, uh, coding games for children to learn how to code, right? And in, in their mm-hmm. presentation, they brought like a 12 year old or an eight, an eight or 12 year old girl, and they're all, you know, the the hosts are like, you know, oh, she's so cute, like. And she's like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up or whatever? And she goes, oh, I want to be a bionic programmer. I was in awe. And I was like, what, what? the <laughs> hell did she just say? <laughs> and I'm sitting on my couch. I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I'm going to be a dinosaur Like, if I don't start coding. Like, I need to start coding, right? Like, I literally told myself I need to start coding. I f- and I was like, all right, I'm going to start figuring out how to make an iOS app. And so you can – and the, uh, Xcode is f- – I. I'm not sure if it's free or not, but if not, it's it's like ten dollars where you can download the it's like a sandbox and you can literally start coding. And then there's there's tutorials and stuff to show you. I, I started coding for like six months. Right. And I but I realized even after all that that I was doing, I was still nowhere near to even knowing how to build a calculator through code. And I was just like, there's just no shot that I'm going to learn how to code and do this. And I need to start like worrying about what I know, what I'm good at and other intangibles. So um, that that's my like hooray into it. Just realizing that like I'm a pharmacist that like can communicate well, but I am not a coder. And I just really had to like come to terms with that to know that there's other intangibles that I had to like start sharpening the the sword on to like stay relevant as, you know, little uh, boys and girls are trying to become bionic <laughs> like programmers. No, I know. I just, I'm, you know, I got my seven year olds with their iPads and I'm like, oh, well, you know, why don't you play, you know, Roblox with me? And I was like, no, you know, it's like, here, we'll show you. And then there's like, it's just, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and we are, um, there's no way pharmacy schools can keep up, which is why I'm so excited you keep publishing stuff. Cause I'm like, oh, cool. Cause I wouldn't have known about that. Cause I, I don't have the, the ties that, you know, the students do and stuff. But, but yeah, keep doing what you're doing too. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, and I also really wanted to give that story to, to tell people that like, don't be too concerned about the future and like your lack of ability to do some of these like really advanced technology things. Just hone in on the craft that you either like or know or are naturally good at and then surround yourself with others that would be good at that. So if tomorrow I come up with a brilliant app idea, I'm not going to program it myself. I'm going to go find a programmer that can execute on my vision. So um, Upwork, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that was my reason for going into that rabbit hole of, of my programming story and background. That's a major failure. There you go. Put that in the book. Yeah. <laughs> in there. Finally, finally. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. It's just saying, all right, well, I'm not good at it, but I got to figure out how to get good at it. And, and when you have no job, then you not only have the time, but you have the drive. So that's, that's what, you know, the unicorn jobs book is. It's just hopefully helping you get the drive and, some good connections to to get you over whatever barriers getting you between now and what you want to do to succeed. Yeah. So where will they be able to find it? And um, if people wanted to connect back with you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Um, right now, just look on uh, Amazon Unicorn Jobs. The ebook came out first uh, this morning. I'm I'm editing and making sure the the audiobook is going to come out so audiobook should be out in 4 weeks. Uh, it takes a long time to go through uh, Audible's quality control and then after that uh, comes the print book. Uh, but uh, right now uh, they can find it on Amazon for like 10 bucks. 
Awesome. And then if uh, they wanted to reach out to you directly and, and connect, what would be the best way? Tony Farm D1 on, on Facebook is, is or uh, Tony Farm D1 on Facebook or Messenger. And then uh, my email, A-A-G-U-E-R-R-A at DMAC, D-M-A-C-C dot E-D-U. Uh, either one. Uh, I'm pretty responsive uh, when it comes to anything that has to do with, hey, I need help with blank. Um, I've been doing this 22 years, so uh, I might have an answer or a person to connect you with. Awesome. And, and I'll uh, put all that in the show notes and also the podcast. How, how can they tune into that if they, if they wanted to oh, uh, check it out? Pharmacyleaderspodcast.com. Um, but the episode I did with you is actually on the pharmacy uh, leader on, well, just look up Richard Wade Pharmacy Podcast Network, but, but the pharmacyleaderspodcast.com. Uh, so over 200 episodes. Uh, to kind of uh, help you uh, just with career and business and side hustle and, um, you know, just just kind of making it in the pharmacy world. Awesome, Tony. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you. Hey, always appreciate it. Thanks. Hey everyone, first of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, we're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.